You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you'll be encouraged from this message from the book of Joel. All right, church, well, good morning. It is uh, really good to be back with you. Last week, uh, Mel and I did a little uh, staycation with the kids, did some projects around the house and stuff. Um, but it's really, really good to be back. Um, so if you would, open up your copy of, of the scriptures today to, to Joel chapter 3. And if you, don't, if you don't have a copy of the Bible with you, don't worry about it. Uh, we have the, the Black Pew Bible right in front of you. You can open that up and turn to page 762. We're going to be uh, spending time in Joel chapter 3 today, verses 1 through 16. So we are quickly ending up, ending our series here in the book of Joel. So over the past few months, we've walked through this amazing book together. And uh, just to do a little recap, uh, the, the book of Joel can really be broken up into four sections. On the first section, chapter 1, God is calling his people back to himself after they had had experienced this locust plague that was like nothing that they had ever experienced before. Um, almost like, and we, we have kind of related it to what we've been going through as a nation over the past you know, four or five months. Uh, COVID-19 is something like we have never experienced in a long, long time. But it's a great opportunity to get our lives back right with God. So Joel chapter 1 is all about God's call to bring his people back using something like a locust plague to grab their attention. Joel chapter 2 verses 1 through 11, um, God is speaking to, to those of you like, like myself who are stubborn and said, well, you know, I'm not going just to change because God, you tell me to change. Um, so God says, listen, if you don't change, more judgment is coming. And he talks about this invading army coming in and says, listen, if you don't come back to me, this is what is coming. This invading army will come in and, and destroy your city and, 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 and kill your kids and take over your land. But God's tone begins to change beginning in chapter 2, verse 12, where he says, yet even now, after all that you've done, after all the ways that you've turned your back on me, if you were to come back to me yet even now, I would welcome you back with open arms. And God talks about what would happen if they turned from their sin and turned back to God, that he would restore their land, that he would, that he would bring back even the things that those locusts had, had once um, um, eaten up. Their vegetation would grow back. Their relationship with God would, 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 would go back to normal, and God and them would have the kind of relationship um, that they intended to have. But beginning last week, Pastor Mike began uh, working through Joel 2, verses, uh, beginning at verse 28, God begins to look forward to Israel's future. And up to that point, everything had been about the present time, written to the people of Israel and said, hey, if you turn back now, this is what's going to happen. But beginning at the latter end of chapter 2 and in all of chapter 3, God turns his focus from the present of Israel to the future of Israel. And as we're going to see over these next few weeks, God has an amazing plan for, for the people of Israel, for the Jewish nation. And a lot of you are probably thinking, what does that have to do with me? And we believe here at Grace that there is a distinction between the, the nation of Israel and the church age today. But I think that God in his sovereignty has brought us to Joel chapter 3, especially verses 1 through 16 this morning, 
for a very specific purpose. Because you see, just like the people of Israel, who have throughout history um, overcome and endured intense persecution, many, oftentimes they're asking God, I've been hurt, I've been sinned against, I've been oppressed by whatever nation it may be at that time, whether it be the Egyptians, the Babylonians, everything that happened during the Holocaust, the, the wars that are going on even right now with, with the other Arab nations within the Middle East. Many, many Jewish people are asking God, God, when is justice coming? And I don't know about you guys, but there have been often times in my life where I have been hurt, when I have been sinned against, when I have been taken advantage of, where I have been abused in some way, and in my mind I'm asking God, God, when is justice going to come? Because God, I, I'm sitting here in my hurt, I'm sitting here as a victim, and as I endure the pain of what has happened to me, the person that did it seems to be going on with their lives like nothing ever happened. How many of you have ever felt that way? Where you have experienced that pain, and you look at the person that, that, that did whatever it was to you, and they're going on, living their lives as if nothing ever happened. What church today Joel chapter 3 is going to give us some hope for many of us whose world are full of hurts. Many of those times where we have wondered, God, when is justice coming? God, when are, when are things going to, be, going to be made right today? God is going to give us some hope for those situations. So again, I hope by this time you have opened up your Bibles to Joel chapter 3. We're going to work through 16 verses today. So we're going to move through this material quickly, and I want, I want to remind you with any kind of, especially with any kind of um, uh, parts of the Bible that talk about prophecy, um, we need to make sure that, we be foc- that we're focused on the main thing. Listen, there, there are going to be things that, that, that we read in here where you're going to try to pinpoint dates, and you're going to try to say, this happened then, and this happened here, and, and these things are going to happen at this place. But this morning, I want you to focus on, on this one thought, and it simply is this, that God will settle every score and right every wrong. And that in all of this, a hope that we can find, that as we live in our hurt, as we search for justice, we need to know that at some point, God is going to settle everything. And those people that hurt us will, have to be held, will be held accountable for what they have done. And so, Joel 3, God opens up this plan for the people of Israel. And I hope, again, it's a hope and a help to you this morning as well. So, Joel 3 can be broken up into two parts. Um, the first part, as we're going to begin with, is that God focuses on bringing justice for Israel's present sufferings. That's going to be verses 1 through 8. And then verses, one through, uh, verses 9 through 16, God focuses on bringing judgment to Israel's future sufferings. Again, like we said, the, the people of Israel, the people of God, have endured persecution like no other nation uh, in all the earth. And God is going to have an answer for what is going on when, when Joel was written And then God is also going to give an answer to what what is going to happen later on in the future when people continue to persecute uh, the people of Israel. So if you you have your Bibles open, we're just going to read the first two verses of Joel chapter 3 to begin. Joel 3, 1 through 2 says, For behold, in those days and at that time, 
When I restore the, the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there. I'm going to stop and pause there for a second. See, God begins chapter 3 by stating at a certain time when he returns and when he restores the people of Judah and the fortunes of Judah. He says, I will enter into a time of judgment with the nations. And he says, I'm going to bring them to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now listen, throughout history, and you can read scholars and commentators, and they're trying to place where the valley of Jehoshaphat is. Some people think, think that it's the Valley of Megiddo. You look at the, where the Battle of Armageddon in the book of, of uh, Re- Revelation is going to take place. And you think, this is the valley that they're talking about. And we can spend time speculating on where that valley is, but the only thing that I want you to focus on is the fact that there is a place where God is going to judge people. The Valley of Jehoshaphat literally means the place where God judges and so God, God says at the very beginning, listen, when I come back at the end of the age, when Christ returns, I will judge the nations. And as a Jew that would be reading this and listening to, to Joel as he gives these prophecies, it is so easy for them, it would be so easy for us to think, okay, at that time, way off. But God, I'm hurting now. And so often when we look at prophecy, that can be so far away. But God, that doesn't answer the, the, the situation that I am in right now. God, I'm glad that someday you're going to judge the nations. But what about my hurt now? And in these first eight verses, I want to point out three things that God promises to do for those of us who are hurting, especially for his people. We're going we're gonna to just look at verses 3 through 8. And the first thing that God promises to do is that God promises to stand, to stand with his people. Look at me in Joel 3, verses 2 through 3a. And it says, I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel. And because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided my land. Skip down to Joel 3, verse 5, and it says, For you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. What, what word continues to be repeated in those verses? My. See, the thing that I love about God and the thing that he promises to do for those of us who are hurting is that he stands and identifies with us and with his people. And as God lays out the actions of Israel's oppressors, notice how he uses the term my over and over again. See, these are God's people. These are the people that God has coveted with to protect and provide and and save them. This isn't just Joe Schmo down, down the street. No, this is, these are my people. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, when Saul, before he turns into Paul and lives his great life of ministry, Saul was going around persecuting, persecuting Jewish Christians. And on the road to, to Damascus, what, what does God say to Saul? He said, why are you persecuting me? See, God identifies with his people when they're hurt. Made me think, think back to a time when, when I was growing up, 
second grade, my family moved, moved into a new town, new school district. And I remember that summer, uh, we, we moved in August. And I remember our, the, we had a ton of neighbor kids in, in, in our area. And growing up, I was, I was kind of picked on for a bit. And so I remember my dad coming home from work one day. And I was, I remember just crying in our living room. And he asked what, what was wrong. And I explained to him what happened. And he just got up and said, come on, let, let, let's go. I was like, okay, where, where are we going? And my neighbor right behind us, um, there's a kid there, his name is Doug. And Doug and I are actually still, still friends today. But I told him that, that Doug had been picking on me. And I remember it, my dad walked me over to, to Doug's house, knocked on the door. And Doug's dad, and, and Doug answered the door there. And I remember my dad doing one of the bossest things I've ever remember my dad doing. He says, if you mess with my son, you mess with me. And I looked at my dad. I was like, he's going to go John Wayne on this guy. Like, this is going to be awesome. But I just remember thinking as, a, as like an eight-year-old thinking, my dad is incredible. This guy's going to crack some skulls here. And that didn't happen. He didn't go in and do, do any of that stuff. But I still remember that day because at that moment, he identified with my pain. And he said, you mess with him, you mess with me. In church, when we suffer, God just doesn't say, yeah, you, you mess with so-and-so. He said, no, 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 you messed with my people. And if God feels that same way about his people, the, the nation of Israel, God would feel the same way about his bride, the church, and you and I. So the first thing he promises, he promises that he will stand with those who are hurting. But he goes on and says, the next thing that God promises to do, he says, God sees, is, God sees their pain. God sees Israel's pain. Joel 3, verse 3, he lays out what, ha, what had been done presently to the nation of Israel. And it's, it's heavy, heavy stuff. This is in verse 3, you have scattered them among the nations and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. And you've sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Church, I'm not going to get into the, into the eerie details of what God is describing here, but this is present day human trafficking. God goes into detail here listing that when foreign armies would come in and invade a city, what would happen back then is that, listen, they would kill all, all, all of the older folks. But the younger children, they would sell into slavery. And they, had, they saw no human value to these kids. It says that they would sell kids for a drink of wine or, or a night of pleasure. All the while leaving these poor families in Jerusalem, walking by empty bedrooms. Or sitting at the dinner table without, with, with empty chairs. So often we, we read about the Babylonian exile where they took Daniel and his friends and moved them back to Babylon. And it, we read and we hear about it so much, don't we, that we just kind of gloss over it. 
But when you recognize the pain that these families went through, knowing that their children, knowing that they will never see their children again, knowing that they're not shipping them just down, down the road, but across the continents to the Greeks, who at that time had, had crazy slave ships and vineyards and factories and things that they would use these children to work for, and parents would never see their kids again. And I, and I love here that in verse... In, in, uh, in verse 4, it says, What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon and the regions of, of uh, Philistia? And I love that normally when, when we think of slavery, we think of Babylon, we think of Egypt. But God here mentioned these three other surrounding nations that they were neighbors to Israel. And God says, listen, you were the ones that did this right then. And instead of, of, of bringing up the, the bigger issue of Babylon and Egypt, God God brings out a smaller, less-known event of human trafficking. And he says, listen, I don't see just the big things. I see the small things. And church and friends, as you are hurt, many of you are dealing with things that no one else even knows about. And it's not just the big public sins or the big public abuse that we carry. We carry very private ones as well. And God is saying, I see the big ones and I see the small ones, but I see them all. And your pain, whether public or hidden, is not passed over by God. The book of Psalms says that he's near to the brokenhearted and has put your tears in a bottle. He sees and feels all of your pain. Not only does God stand with his people, not only does he see their pain, but lastly, God will send judgment according to his plan. I love these verses. Joel, uh, uh, verse three, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. He says, and he's talking to Tyre and Sidon, these nations that had sold the Jewish kids into slavery, he says, I will sell your sons and your daughters to the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians, to a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. See, God promised that he would act on behalf of his people by bringing the same punishment that they had done to the Jewish people, that they would bring the same punishment upon themselves. And we cannot be for sure, but we know that in 322, as Alexander the Great came into that area, it is said that he went to Tyre and Sidon and the regions of the Philistines there, and he sold their children into slavery. We're not going to, again, pinpoint dates and everything like that, but we know that sooner or later, God is going to judge according to his plan. And church, and this, this would have been hundreds of years after Joel was written. And so often, we want justice right now, don't we? I want justice to be served like yesterday. But God says, according to my plan, when I see fit, I will bring judgment upon those people who have hurt you. And this, this waiting period can often be the hardest part. And I remember a time in my life where, I've, where, I, where I had suffered greatly. And I wanted God to do something. 
And I wanted God to move. And when I looked at the situation, I felt like nothing was happening. But I want to remind you of two things. One is that oftentimes people who have sinned against us will be punished. It might be privately. God may be working on their heart in other ways that we cannot see, but it doesn't mean that God isn't moving or God isn't working. And the second thing is that we know because God is a God of justice that there will be a time where every man, woman, and child will stand before him and give an account of what they have done. Whether it be the great white throne judgment for those unbelievers who said that, that Scripture says that they will give an account of every word that they say and every act that they do, or even if, like many of us, we, we have been hurt by, by other believers, and we think, well, they're, they're a believer, they're going to heaven, there's nothing more that, that they can do. Well, even believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what they have done. And even though they're there not to, not to see if they're going to get into heaven or not, they will have their time in court with a perfect righteous judge. And God will bring judgment according to his plan. So God answered Israel's bringing justice for Israel's present suffering, moving these children into slavery. But God doesn't stop there. And in Joel 3, verses 9 through 16, God deals with and brings justice for Israel's future sufferings. And listen, I wish we had the time to dig into, into these verses here, but we just do not have it today. But I, I just want to give you a short kind of s- summary of what these verses say. It says that at, at the end, when, when Christ returns, when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period, God will, he will gather all of those nations together. And those nations will come together, what they're thinking of for war. They're going to gather together, join forces, and try to attack the people of Israel one final time and wipe them out. But we see from God's angle, God is calling them all in one place so that he can judge them, so that he can sit in judgment. Kind of parallel passages to, to Joel chapter 3 is Matthew chapter 25, and we don't have time to hear it today, but Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46 describes this, it's called a goat and sheep judgment, and where God calls those nations together and will judge them according to how they have treated his people Israel. So the, the tribulation period is going to be a time of intense persecution for God's people. Time like they had never experienced before. This is worse than the Holocaust. This is worse than anything that Babylon or Assyria ever did to them. This is far greater than any of that. I just want to read to you the basis of this judgment that God is going to have on, his, on, on those nations there. Matthew 25, verse, 30, verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Check this out. It says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then those, those righteous answered and saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. As you did it to one 
of the least of his brothers, the Jewish people, you did it to God himself. Now, church, these future sufferings during the tribulation period that Israel is going to endure, those nations, when they're gathered to be judged by God, will be judged based upon how they treated God's people. So even then, even Israel's future suffering, people will give an account for how they have treated the nation of Israel. And all of this to be said, I want, I, want, I want you to focus one final time on Joel chapter 3 because there is one verse at the end, verse 16, that sums all of this up. Why did God spend the last 15 verses talking about future judgment? And it simply is this. It says, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. He did all of that to show his people that God is a refuge and a stronghold. The word refuge means a place that you go, that you run to for protection. Stronghold is something when enemies are coming, you go into that to find protection. It is a place of strength. It's a fortress. And what God is saying here is that, listen, in times when you, are, when you are unjustly treated, in times when you are sinned against and taken advantage of, I want you to remember the fact that I will judge, that I will bring justice, and you hide yourself in that very fact. In those moments when, when you want to reach out and, and, act, and act out of, out of, out of you know, anger and try to get your own revenge on them, the word refuge means to stop fighting, to go into protection. It isn't a place to go on the offensive. It is a place to rest in. It is a place of taking our hurts and our own personal pain and turning them over to God instead and resting in the fact that he's going to take care of that. It is a place of experiencing freedom, knowing that I don't have to take care of that person anymore. God will. And church, I, I don't want you to walk away from, from our time today thinking that if you're ever wronged, you do nothing. I think there are other portions of Scripture, and there are things, other things, the systems that God has placed within our lives, like our government, to take care of things when we have been wronged. But for the vast majority of us here, the, the things that we, that we deal with, the sins that we deal with, are not things that we call law, law enforcement for. But they're there, but God has placed them there if we need it. I'm not saying if someone comes in and murders a loved one that you do nothing. You take it to the authorities and you allow them to gain the justice that God has put them in place for. But for the majority of us, that's not normally at the level that we're sinned against. When it's on us still, when it, when it is on us, when no authorities need to be involved, how do we respond to that? And I want you to think about one thing before, we, before you think about your response. The thing we talked about at the beginning simply is this, God will settle every score and rights every wrong. So church, what pain are you holding on to today? What grudge have you been holding on to for way too long? What place have you... Or what event has you, have you been just circulating over and over and over in your mind thinking about how you can make things right on your own? I want to get, when you, when you are in that place, when you cannot 
break the feelings of revenge, I want you to do two things this week. The first thing is something that I've learned from a book that I have read yearly for the last 10 years. The book is called Total Forgiveness, and the author is R.T. Kendall, one of the most influential books upon my heart. But something that he says and something that this may be a daily thing that you have to do is that you have to daily give that situation over to God. Say, God, it's not me. God, I hand that person, I hand that situation to you over to you again, Lord. And that is hard to do. And there have been days where it has been an hourly thing. And I'm good for, I'm good for an hour, but then my mind goes back and says, man, I really, wanna, I, really, I really want justice now. And I have to give it back over again. And say, God, you are my defense. God, you are the one who is going to achieve justice for me. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to meditate on Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. And, and with that, I'm going to call the praise team up, and we're going, to, we're going to sing one final song. Let me just read Romans 12 to you. It says, Christian, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if an enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing, you will, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Church, God is faithful. And we can rest in the fact that he will stand with his people, that he sees all of our pain, and that he will send judgments according to his plan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I, I thank you, Lord, for, for this portion. God, and it is rich and deep, and it reminds us, Lord, that you are our great defender, that you see all of, that you see all of our pain, and that you plan on doing something about it within your own time, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would rest in the fact that you know what you're doing and that vengeance is yours and that you will bring justice to those who have been hurt by others, God. So God, may our hearts rest in your faithfulness and goodness and love this morning, God. And I pray for those, God, that are, that are struggling with, with grudges and revenge, Lord. God, I'm not downplaying their hurt. I'm not downplaying, God, what they've gone through, God, because we all experience very real sin. And we have all been victims of other people's sinful behavior, God. And I lift those dear children up to you today. And I pray, God, that you, Father, would work within their midst, that you would, that you would allow them to rest in your love and rest in the fact, God, that you will protect them, Father. God, we love you. And I ask, God, that your faithfulness Lord, would be lifted up today. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.